always let your conscience be your guide. And always let your conscience be your guide. Welcome to Mantras, Truths, Myths, or Misbeliefs. A few months ago, I asked for input from all my Facebook and email connections. What are those statements that you hear the most said in our culture as a means of comforting someone or helping someone or words of wisdom? So I got back a lot of responses. And from those responses, we compiled a list of 50 of them and created a survey, and once again harassed them by asking them for input again, take the survey and deem which ones are the most relevant. And from that survey, believe it or not, 12 of them came through as being most relevant, or more than just relevant. And so we're on a journey called Mantras, Truths, Myths, or Misbeliefs, looking at each of these statements said in our culture, often said in our communities, churches, and even by ourselves, And we're going to take a look at them and see how they're biblical and see how they're not biblical and how we should live in light of that. But first, let's look at our text. 1 Timothy 1, verse 5. The context is he's talking about people bickering over spiritual things and over genealogies and even over the scriptures. He said, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart from a good conscience, can we say good? And from sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk. And then look at verse 18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them, by what? By the prophecy that was made about him, You may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. From which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. So how does a shipwreck of one's life happen? By not sailing their life ship according to the Lord's will. According to his prophecies given in his scriptures, and maybe it could even be something someone spoke to you that was inspired by the Lord, as well as letting go of your faith and disregarding the need for a good conscience. Can we say good conscience? This statement that we heard on this Disney film Pinocchio made back in the 50s, always let your conscience be your guide. That statement originated in the film With the Blue Fairy, she gave them that advice, and Jiminy Cricket echoed the advice in this song, and then Pinocchio echoed it. It would be better if they were told to hold on to a good conscience, but just to say always let your conscience be your guide can lead you astray, as we're going to see in a few minutes. This statement did not originate with Disney. It's documented first in a talk given by one of Muhammad's, he had several father-in-laws. Umar, the Caliph Umar, during one of his speeches after a victory in battle, gave this advice to let your conscience be your guide. If you do a search on this statement, you'll find Hindu gurus offering this advice. Let your conscience be your guide. If you search the scriptures, you do not see this statement. 
because the conscience is not always reliable. But first of all, let's look at what it is. Our conscience is an inner feeling or a voice, or you could say it's an emotion, relating to the rightness or wrongness of one's behavior. It's a sense of right and a sense of wrong. Now, we've been all born with the propensity to have a conscience, but that doesn't mean you're going to have a good one if you're not parented appropriately. Little kids left to themselves grow up and become the most mean, rude, selfish narcissists you have ever met in your life. Parenting is involving our training our children's consciences. Because left to itself, a conscience will go astray or won't even be in existence. It's related to the word conscious, which likewise, our conscience speaks of having awareness or knowledge. I'm aware I've done something wrong. My conscience is telling me that. My conscience is alerting me. Now, if you're alive and well, you have consciousness. But that doesn't mean you have a conscience or that you have a good conscience. First of all, let's look at what our conscience is naturally. Naturally, our conscience is something that will tell us if our values are being violated. If you value telling the truth and you don't tell the truth, your conscience will bother you. It will give you the pangs of guilt. It will warn you you're going to be sorry. Now, if truth isn't important to you, man, you'll tell the lie when the truth would make a better story. Having a conscience means our consciences are not always calibrated to God's standards. If you are raised Islamic and you don't pray five times a day and wash yourself five times a day before you pray, your conscience is going to bother you. Why? Because of your childhood. Because your conscience was trained. So a conscience is something that's pliable. It's something that is trainable, but it must be guided. It can't be the guide, as you'll see in a few minutes. Hitler had this to say. He said, I freed Germany from the stupid and degrading fallacies of conscience, morality. And then he went on to say, we will train young people before whom the world will tremble. I want young people capable of violence, imperious, relentless, cruel. And he did it. Germans hushed their consciences down because they didn't want to suffer. Sometimes they hushed their consciences down because they didn't want to know everything. It's what you know you're accountable for, right? So when people are hauled off to the gas chambers, you turn your head the other way and your conscience won't bother you. The world in which we live is made up of people that have consciences, but many times the problem in the world is because they're living by their conscience. Their consciences are corrupt. They've been corrupted. It's corruptible. It's imperfect. Our conscience naturally is in real need of being trained biblically. This is what spiritual growth is. The Bible, God's Word, teaches us how to love our neighbor, teaches us right from wrong, and we have to abide by that if we want to live with a conscience that's clear. Like an alarm system, our conscience needs servicing. 
Anybody have an alarm system in your house or at work? We have one here at the church. It often needs some service. It doesn't work perfect. Sometimes it becomes too sensitive and goes off at crazy times. A bird flew by the window and then, just a bird. I mean, that wasn't it. It's an imperfect system, but it is a system that is important. Anybody recognize Toya Graham? While hurting angry people or violating their own conscience to express their anger because of a perceived lack of conscience on the part of law enforcement, a mother took it upon herself to see to it that her son, who no doubt was silencing his conscience because of his anger or because of his friends, but she was going to see to it that her conscience was going to supersede his. And the world applauds her. And I'm sure she's not the only parent that did that during this thing last week. But she's the one that got caught on camera. So now the whole world knows who Toya Graham is. Our consciences need a mama, need a daddy to train us. Our consciences naturally are untrustworthy without God's help. Why? When you get me mad... Or if I get you mad, we'll violate our own conscience because of anger. Or if people think they won't get caught, their conscience somehow becomes weakened or ignored. So I'm not about to suggest a conscience is something that is to be ignored. It is definitely, you've got to pay attention to it, but you can't completely rely on it to be your guide. Remember the statement? Always let your conscience be your God. You can't do that. It'll lead you astray. That's the problem in the world. People are allowing their faulty consciences to be their guide and not God's will. Paul himself wrote in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 4, this is the New Living Translation, he said, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. You ever watch somebody accused of a crime on 2020 or 60 Minutes or one of these shows trying to get to the bottom of an issue? And they'll say, how's your conscience? Oh, my conscience is clear. Then the guy turns out to be as guilty as sin. Our consciences can't be completely relied on. Thank God we have them, but they're not perfect. Paul said, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me. And decide. So ultimately, it's God who is my judge. And He's given us a conscience to be developed and trained to help us in our journey of living God pleasing lives. He's given you His Word and He's given you His Spirit. I mean, we're not going to have any excuse if we live lives of rebellion to God's will. Biblically, our conscience can be weak. In dealing with a subject that the early church wrestled with, we don't wrestle with it in this culture, but in other cultures it is an issue, on whether or not it's a sin to eat food offered to idols. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 8, verse 4, he says, We know an idol is nothing in the world, and that there's no God but one. So he's implying, go ahead and offer to an idol. It's nothing. I mean, that's meaningless. I can eat what I want. Then he goes on to say, however, verse 7, however, 
there is not in everyone that knowledge. To some people, idols are real. For some, with consciousness of the idol until now, eat it as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Their conscience is extra sensitive in that area, and it would offend them to see you eating meat that had been offered to an idol. Because to them, especially if they've been saved out of idolatry, that thing is unworthy of any honor, and I don't want anything to do with anything that has anything to do with an idol. So in that area, their conscience is weak. He goes on to say, in addressing this issue, how we should do, he talks to the stronger brother, because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish, verse 11, for whom Christ died. But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. So how would eating meat offered to an idol make someone stumble? Well, it would make that brother stumble into judging you. You're an idolater. And when we judge, it's not good. There's consequences always, right? And they would stop up their ears and not listen to Paul's teaching, and he had the truth they needed to hear. And also, they might even be tempted, well, you know, if a Christian acts like that, I may as well go back into idolatry. You know, and walk back into one of those temples that had prostitutes and offer up different kinds of sacrifices and just stumble. You know, it's healthy for some people to stay away from things that tempt them. How does this apply in our culture? Easy. Alcohol. Alcohol makes some people stumble. They have to stay away from it. Drinking alcohol would make some people stumble. I will not drink alcohol lest I make them stumble. And if a brother would be tempted to judge me, if he saw me coming out of a liquor store with a Coke, he would think I'm in there doing something else. He would judge me. That brother would have consequences for his judgment. It would break our fellowship. It's not worth it. I'm going into Kroger's instead. Plus, Kroger's is new. So consciences can be weak. Consciences can be wounded. We just saw that. A conscience can be good. We read that in our text. Our conscience can be seared. Listen to this, 1 Timothy 4. He said, The Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith. And here's what they'll do. They'll give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. So the Spirit expressly says that in the last days people are going to depart from the faith, and one of the symptoms of their life is they're going to sear their conscience with a hot iron or make their conscience insensitive. The word he used there in the Greek language is the word kateriadzo, which is the word with which we get the word cauterize. It means to sear with a hot iron, to brand, to render insensitive, to cauterize. Siri was asked this question, what does cauterize mean? Siri said, Cauterize means to burn, sear, or freeze tissue using a hot iron or electric current or caustic agent. It means to make insensitive or callous, to deaden feelings or morals. 
when you override the warning system of your conscience, there are consequences. And part of it is in the nature of the conscience itself. You continually do it. Your body hates the feelings of guilt. These things have become not only spiritual, but can become physiological. The body hates feelings of guilt. You hate feelings of guilt. So you keep overriding these feelings that your conscience has given you. Eventually, you'll sin in a particular sin and not feel bad about it. Notice it also means to brand. When you brand, you cauterize the skin around the shape of the brand. could be, let's say, you have a Texas ranch and you, you brand your cattle just like one of these stores does their steaks. You know, there's a shape of Texas with a T in the middle of it. You brand. So where that brand is is a mark that's permanent, and no doubt for the cow, that mark is not sensitive, but it denotes ownership. Now, the cow has sensitivity in other places. So we can brand our conscience, that is, give up ownership of our will to the devil, and yet still have a conscience in other areas of our life. Like a gangster that approached a priest and pulled a gun out and says, Give me your money. And the priest said, Bless you, my son. Oh, you're a priest. I'm so sorry. You can keep your money, sir. I'm, I'm also of a religious man. The priest said, well, let me give you something here. How about a candy bar? No, I'm giving that up for Lent. <laughs> well, I thought it was funny. Anyway. Our conscience can be pure. Paul talked about in 2 Timothy 1.3, serving the Lord with a pure conscience. Our conscience can be defiled. Titus 1.15 says, To the pure, all things are pure. To those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. A conscience can be so defiled that your right and wrong gets completely mixed up. You call wrong right and call right wrong. And that's the culture in which we live. It's wrong to say certain lifestyles are sinful. Called hate speech. And people that do that should have public guilt heaped upon them. A nation's moral conscience is being manipulated. But thank God, our conscience can be cleansed. In Hebrews 9, the writer of Hebrews is talking about how the blood of bulls and goats can bless the one offering the sacrifice for their atoning of their sins. He said, if that's true, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? In other words, he said, how much more? If the blood of bulls and goats can do this, how much more shall the blood of Christ cleanse your conscience from dead work to serve the living God? Christ died for our sins, to take our guilt away. Not so that we could override our conscience, but so that our conscience could be cleansed and we could get a new start to walk that straight and narrow. The thing I liked about the Disney clip there for cartoon, every time they said, let your conscience be your guide, all hell broke loose. To me, that illustrates things go wrong when we follow our conscience. We are not to follow our conscience, but our conscience needs to be cleansed. 
continually cleansed. This is a daily walk of purification. Being aware if your conscience is right with God or your conscience is wrong with God and paying attention to it. If you wrestle with guilt, don't just jump up and run to a counselor to get that guilt off of you. Obviously, there can be unhealthy guilt, which could be a weak conscience situation. And some good biblical truth can set you free. An encounter with the Holy Spirit can free you from years and years of guilt. But Jesus remedied it through what he did on the cross. So don't try to get the guilt off of you. Allow the guilt to drive you to the cross, to your face before God, so you can be cleansed. Guilt's not bad if it causes us to do the right thing. Amen? How to keep a clean conscience. We rounded third plate. We're heading home. Be committed to reading, learning, applying, and growing in biblical truth. If I ask for a show of hands, how many read your Bible every day? It could, it could embarrass a lot of people. And that's not my purpose today. My purpose is to exhort and motivate. Read the Scriptures every day. I'm not saying read the whole Bible in a week. Proverbs has 31 chapters. Read a chapter in Proverbs for every day of the month. And if it's a 28-day month, then double up a couple of those days. Or read five chapters a day and you've read the Bible in a year. Or... This is my favorite plan. Read till something speaks to you and stop and think about it until it has an impact that changes your life. Learn the Scriptures. Get with people who also read their Bibles and talk about them. Come to church and hear teaching. But it's more than hearing. It's about learning. Until it gets inside our lives, it will be just words. Apply the Scriptures and grow in biblical truth. This will clean our conscience up and enable us to train our conscience where we live with a clean conscience. Value your conscience and be careful that you're not violating it with any overrides. Value it, protect it, and be careful. It's a good security system if you maintain it. Now, it's not foolproof. There's, there has problems. How many have rearview mirrors on your car? They can help keep you safe, okay? But they're not perfect. If you didn't learn about the blind spot in driver's ed, learn it. There are certain areas around your automobile that you cannot see towards your rear quarter panel in your mirrors. Yesterday, we were on our way to Fort Worth. I let Yvette drive anytime she wants to because she's pretty much, she's pretty much driving anyway. And she was going from the left lane to the right lane, and I noticed out of the corner of my eye there was actually a vehicle there that she hadn't seen, and I couldn't even say Jesus. I couldn't even say, all I could do was, <gasps> I guessed, and she made the, the correction, thank the Lord, there was no collision. Mirrors are great, but they're not perfect. The conscience is great. It needs to be paid attention to, but it's not perfect. That's why we need the circumference vision of God that His Spirit and His Word give us. Pray and ask the Lord for His cleansing daily. You know the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's such a great part of that prayer. It's good if you pray that. It's good to pray that every day. But when you pray it, it's good to pause right there and ask the Lord if you've sinned anywhere. And if anybody's sinned against you, are you harboring hurt in your heart? Get that hurt dealt with. 
Repent right now of any sin the Holy Spirit is impressing upon your conscience. Can we just, just for a moment, just bow our heads right now? Lord, search our hearts. Show us where our conscience should have been bothering us and it hasn't been, where we've seared it. Show us where we've been overriding it, not paying attention to it for whatever reason. Show us if our conscience has been warning us and irritating us. Amen. If anything was brought to your attention, don't let the sun go down today without getting someplace alone and spend some time with the Lord and your Bible and allow Him to do some transformation in your life. Some calibrating of your conscience. Some people think the conscience is like the thermometer. It's not. It's more like a thermostat. And thermostats have to be calibrated. Is anybody cold in here? It's supposed to be 70 degrees. Maybe the thermostat is off. So the Lord calibrates our conscience. So instead of saying, let your conscience be your God, I think it would be better, let your cleansed conscience be your guard. Or let your cleansed conscience be a guard in your life. Now let me just say this about our relationships. Sometimes a person offends us and we get mad and think they should just know better. Well, my conscience wouldn't let me do that. And you just judge them because their conscience is imperfect. Because you think, because your conscience is strong in an area, so should everybody else's be. But that's not the case because of how we were raised, how we live, how we're wired. And there's this thing called blind spots. Jesus called it a speck. He said, if your brother offends you because of a speck in his eye, he said, get the log out of yours. What is a log? Log is retaliation and anger. Get your own eye dealt with. Then go and confront the person in love. And help that speck to be removed. The Greek word he used for speck is the word storge, which means chaff or a piece of chaff. And I find this very encouraging because John the Baptist said that Jesus would cleanse our lives and take the chaff from us, winnow our wheat, you know, thresh us and remove the chaff from us and throw the chaff into unquenchable fire. So these blind spots we have are caused by chaff that the Lord is removing from our lives. And so as brothers and sisters, we've got to have the grace and the love to go to someone and confront them in love about the area of their life where they may be overriding their conscience or they may not even be aware because of a blind spot. Rather than judging them and their conscience. Go to them and love. May your conscience bother you, bother me, to the point that we go and do something about this offensive situation so that we can all grow spiritually in unity and harmony. Amen? How many have been to the Grand Canyon? Fabulous place. Every year over 12 people die there, but every year three to four of those deaths are related to people falling. Why? Thursday, not far from the visitor center, somebody fell. He hadn't been there long. He was dead. Notice they have safety guardrails here and there. Somebody in some way, maybe not all four every year, but some of those people over the course of of years, 
died because they overrode, they climbed over the safety apparatus, the guardrail, the fence. Be careful that we don't override our consciences that have been cleansed and that are being renewed. What are we talking about? We're talking about our heart, that part of our heart that speaks to us, the part of our heart that's our conscience, the part of our heart that wants to be honest, wants to be right. Let's pray again. Lord, help this word to be planted deep in our lives. And when we hear, let your conscience be your guide, Lord, may we be reminded of the importance of paying attention to the condition of our conscience, not as a guide, but as a safety cable that you've given us on the tightrope of life. In Jesus' name, amen.